Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Yanni. And, and this, this is Charitable Theology. Theology. So how was your weekend, Annie Boo? It was good. It was good. Pretty relaxing. I, like, decorated my patio. I, like, yeah, I got all these wood pallets off of OfferUp, and I bought, like, these cushions from Home Goods and just made this, like, little seating area, and I put up all these lights, so it's just kind of like... I have not seen any pictures of this on Instagram. I know. I haven't posted <laughs> pictures yet. Oh, my goodness. Did it even so, happen then? Nope. Not if it's not on the grams. <laughs> What about you? How was your weekend? It was good. We spent, so my husband and I are in the process of buying a house. And so we spent the whole weekend, my dad and my brothers came out and we spent the whole weekend tearing up gross old flooring from the house. It's a huge fixer upper. We've been saying that it's the 84 year old woman who built it in 1997's dream home. <laughs> so it's got like etched rose glass in walls and <laughs> some other fun, crazy things. Yeah, so we pulled carpet and filled some, like, crazy things going on in the walls. <laughs> and, yeah, my dad and my brothers and my husband are all super handy, so they did, like, all the work. And then I just herded children and occasionally took a screw out of the walls. But, yeah, no, we're really excited about it. Yay! Yay! I know. for new homes. I'm so excited. People keep being like, are you moving away? I'm like, no, we're, like, moving closer to the church, not further. <laughs> Yay! So yeah, man. What else is new? What are other things? I have something I wanted to ask you. This could like bring up a whole other podcast topic. But how is homeschooling going? Do you want to share about that? (laughs) Yeah, is it how you like? Is homeschooling like what you thought it would be? Do you have expectations? I think it's going good. We, my kid is smart, and so that's not to my credit. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Nah. She, she's just like you. She, yeah. It's God-given for her. Yeah, she's doing really well. We do better when we're in a routine, and we've been struggling a little bit the last couple of weeks to, like, get back into the routine for whatever reason. She's doing really great, and she's, like, you know, meeting or exceeding all of my expectations. I, I'm shocked at how well she's picking up. She's five in, in kindergarten, and she's picking up reading better than I expected her. Not better than I expected her to, but quicker than I expected the process to go. Did you get that book I told you about? I, <gasps> I want to so bad. It's in my <gasps> Amazon list. Doc, crazy. I wish I, I wish I had. I, I will, though. But yeah, no, I'm loving it. I'm super loving it. Is Cody loving it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he does, like, you know, he comes home and he has, like, practical things he likes to teach him and stuff, but right now the big thing is just trying to, I mean, we do math also, but the big thing is just trying to get her to a point where she can read on her own and then she does we start with well if we're being honest we start with making a cute planner for the week so we like put out a piece of construction paper and then like plan out our week together and like the things that we're doing and she gets to put stickers on it and stuff because that's what motivates me to start homeschool in the morning is to like be able to decorate a fun plan (laughs) that's so cute and then um we do like bible reading catechism and then we do phonics, and then we do, like, writing. She writes letters, obviously. <laughs> and then we do math. And then, like, she has this, like, brain quest workbook that she does, and she can just kind of pick through it and pick what she thinks looks fun. And so, yeah, it's good. It's, you know, it's pretty light right now. Like, a lot of, like, I've read a lot of, like, homeschool moms say, like, these ages are a lot more about building character than anything else. And so mm. we work a lot on, like, talking about what God's asked us to do and talking about what... Like, what the world says and what God says. And we talk about a lot about, like, what integrity is and how to have, you know, character formation kind of things. And we just do that over, like, conversation throughout the day. That's not, like, a set thing. And then right now, her very favorite thing in the whole world is we have this book that I got years ago that's baked through the Bible. And so it's got, like, and I'm going to be so real with you guys. I don't even think I would recommend it. But (laughs) it's got these, like recipes so one of them is like for joshua you cut a gingerbread man in a piece of bread and then crack an egg in there i don't know like i don't i i'm still struggling to figure out what that had to do with joshua Um, and the book told me but it was a stretch and the recipes are like a hit or miss like getting a gingerbread man cookie cutter to fit into a piece of bread without the bread 
falling apart is yeah, really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, the recipes are hit or miss, and the stories are loose, and I don't know that they're drawing the correct main points from them, um, which drives me crazy, but it's not like, this, this book is not the main thing discipling my child, so it's, like, not an issue. But it is, she loves it, and she, like, loves, we pick three recipes in the beginning of the week that we're going to buy the groceries to get to do the things. And so, like, for Jesus calming the storm, it was, like, jello inside of orange slices, and you made it into, like, a boat. We made, like, we made sails and put them on toothpicks and put them into the jello. And that one was cool. I liked, I enjoyed that one. Uh, But she loves it so much that I'm like, all right, I'm not going to scrap it just because I think it's, I think the recipe's aren't that excellent (laughs) but the recipes are super hit or miss (laughs) that's so cute though yeah it's really fun we have a lot of fun doing it and then my four-year-old and my two-year-old are kind of in and out throughout all of it and they get you know papers that they can color and they'll sit and like we do read out read aloud like and so they'll we i do make them sit for read aloud time but other than that they're just kind of in and out and they, they participate in what they're interested in Makes me miss your kids. I know, you don't see them very much right now because they're always sleeping when you come over. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, thank you for asking. Homeschool's going pretty good. I'm enjoying it. I'm at, we're, we're going to start a little bit more of a serious, intense curriculum for first grade. And I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited about that. We thought we were going to do it for kindergarten, but we just had some life circumstances that made it feel like a better choice to put that off by year. But that one will come with a co-op. Like, there's, like, co-ops that go with that curriculum and stuff, so. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it'll the be beautiful. Fun. The beautiful homeschooling is you can just kind of go all your own days. Yeah, exactly. And so, we've been having a lot of fun. And it's going well, I think. And she's smart, naturally, so that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was being homeschooled for you? Well, I used to be so weary of, like, telling people and just scared of that response because, you know, when I was growing up, it was such like a foreign concept and, you know, nobody was homeschooled yeah. or, you know, uh, in Oregon, it's a lot more popular of a thing to do. So it wasn't like I was like that crazy, but I think moving to Arizona and telling people it was a little weirder, like what's that? But now I'm a lot less timid to share it with people and I just don't really care anymore because like I'm in my 20s and I think you just kind of get over that stuff. And you graduated and, college, so you probably did okay in homeschool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, statistically, like, college people, you know, looking at applications, they're more likely to take a homeschooled kid anyways, because I guess there's something about homeschool people being, you know, reputable and smart or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just really learning that the education, education system isn't so great. So why wouldn't I be proud to say, like, hey, like, I was homeschooled, and I think it is a beautiful thing and very sacrificial of your parents for them to want to, like, bend over backwards and teach you and cater to your needs instead of just sending you off to public school because that's the thing that everyone else is doing or that's the thing that is, you know, easy. So props to my mom for just making all those sacrifices my entire life. Yeah. I think public school is a blessing. Like, yeah. To, sure. you know, if the option is to not be educated or to have public school, then praise God for public school, right? Yeah. I don't mean to diss it. I will, <laughs> if I ever bear children, I will probably send them to public school. But, um, but yeah, it is. It's a, I've been shocked at how much it tries my patience. My kid is really smart and we have a really good time together, but like kind of checking myself if I feel like, oh, she's like, for her big thing is, the same as my big thing where if we feel like we're going to get an answer wrong, we'll just be silly and like redirect. Like we're not going to try hard at something. We'll just be silly about it. And in the beginning, like that was so frustrating for me. And I think it was because I could see so much of myself in that, that I was like, I need to beat this out of her. I don't beat my child. Um, but you know, like I need to, I need to get this out of her. I need, this shouldn't be who she is. And that isn't true because I love that she's silly and I love that she's funny, but I don't want her to be silly and funny because she's scared to feel dumb. And so, um, that turned into a good conversation. Like, that's part of the character formation. Like, that turned into good conversations of like, hey, it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to make mistakes. And we're going to try even if something is hard or we're going to try even if we feel like it's wrong. And that is a lesson I've had to learn as an adult. And so I'm hoping Aww. she learns it as a kid. How does she take that? Like- oh, good. She, uh, uh, praise God for that kid. Cause she is, she's just up like, okay, like, and if I catch her being silly, like, hey, is homeschool a time for being silly or is it a time to learn? And she'll say it's a time to learn and then she'll, 
she'll actually try. And, like, I think in the beginning she was afraid of being wrong because she didn't know what the consequences were for being wrong. But now that she's kind of realized, oh, there aren't consequences for being wrong. Like, you can, tr- as long as you're trying your hardest, like, you don't get in trouble for being wrong. Yeah, like, she's, especially because of school, she's learning. Yeah, like, and I, she just didn't know that, right? Like, she just didn't really have a concept of what this was. And she, she's like me, she very naturally wants to follow the rules and wants to do the right thing. And so she wasn't sure what happened if she she did the wrong thing, like if she um, had the wrong answer. And so she would not want to be wrong. And so now that she's kind of figured out like, oh, if I'm wrong, then mom just like walks me through or like helps me think through it in a different direction. And there's no like, she doesn't get told off because she didn't know a thing. Like, first of all, if she doesn't know something, it's my fault that I didn't teach her well enough. <laughs> and so, but it's just been, it's a fun process. It's, it's cool to, it helps me get to know her better um, and know her heart better and know where to better kind of help shepherd her heart more towards God. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's been really good. I mean, it's happy things. Yay, so that's going so well. <laughs> me too. Yeah, so our first topic is, uh, Christians' expectations of non-Christians. You know, how do we treat the various subjects that non-Christians treat them? You know, we shouldn't really have these expectations of them because we don't hold them to the same standards because they're not Christians. So that's our first topic. Our second topic is how we as Christians approach secular things. Like, do you listen to secular music? Do you watch secular movies? You know, all that jazzy fun stuff jazzy oh i don't know why i say that (laughs) yeah so when i was thinking of how we treat non-believers this idea and i'm so i don't and i know you don't and i actually know the majority of our church does not but in christian culture we have this weird like outrage thing where if a company that is secular or a public figure who is secular behaves in a way that is unchristian like we should be outraged and i just find that Super ridiculous. (laughs) No, it's so... Is moronic a good word? Yeah, I think so. Like, my the thing that made me think about this was, like, the halftime show. And did you see all the outrage around, oh, like, they were dancing too sexy, they were this, they were that. Mm, From Christian people. From Christian... From I mean, a lot of it was from Christian people in my timeline. And then I had some Christian people being like, oh, well, you don't understand, this is their culture, blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because I'm, like, somewhere in this weird middle ground where I'm like, yeah, we don't expect Shakira and uh, J-Lo to wear turtlenecks and stand still while they're singing, right? <laughs> but, like, also, like, there's this other side where people are, where they're, I, I saw a lot of Christians being like, well, they're Latina, and this is how Latinas dance, and blah, 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 and absolutely it is, and I think more power to them, but, like, let's not pretend that that's not sexual, and that, I mean, just because it's, from, it is absolutely a cultural thing doesn't mean that it, that cultural thing isn't seductive and meant to seduce men but the thing is is i don't expect jlo and shakira to not dance like they're trying to seduce men well whatever i don't why would i expect people who don't proclaim christ to behave in a way that is god honoring and i'm not judging them for doing what people who don't love god do and so i just think this like weird christian outrage over secular people i think it's like this weird leftover aftertaste of pretending like we we're this country was a christian majority country which i don't think it ever was i think it was founded on um, judeo-christian values but i don't think we ever had a majority christian it was just there were more nominal christians i hope you can hear the air quotes because i don't believe <laughs> there's such a thing as nominal christians <laughs> But when there was when there was social capital in going to church, where if you were a senator and you didn't belong to a, a church congregation, then you probably weren't getting reelected. Then yeah. there were a lot more people who just showed up to church, and that didn't make them any more Christians than Shakira or JLo. I'm not judging Shakira or JLo's salvation. I've just never heard them proclaim Christ. They're just an example. Yeah, I think it's just like this weird hangover where we're like, oh, we. We should have these Judeo-Christian values in our Super Bowl or our big television commercials or what XYZ companies in our nation should behave as Judeo-Christian companies or culture is silly because we live in a post-Christian culture now and it's time to adapt. And so, you know, some other examples that came to my mind about this were like, remember the Red Cup controversy from a couple years ago? See, I don't... You don't remember it? I don't vaguely Ooh. what happened what it was wasn't so thing? it was not a big deal but guys if you remember this please comment and make me feel better about myself this was the thing maybe five years ago 
Starbucks came out with cups that were just red. And they didn't say Merry Christmas, and there was no holiday stuff about oh, it. Oh, yeah, now I know what you're talking and the about. And Christians were just, up, they're, they're trying to kill Christmas, and there's, there's a war against Christmas. Oh, yeah, I totally remember And that. I was like, y'all, Starbucks is not a Christian company. Like, what are we angry about? That the non-Christian company is not celebrating Christ's birth? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and another thing you mentioned was the whole, like, Target bathrooms thing, yeah. like that's the another transgender thing. bathrooms in Target, and mm-hmm. and that was maybe two years ago when all those bills were going through, and Target was announcing that they were going to have transgender bathrooms, and you know everybody was up in arms, and I'm like, well, a like just don't go to the bathroom if you have a problem with it, because like I can hold my pee when I'm in Target, you know, it's like not that much of an emergency, and B Target is not proclaiming Christ. Why would we expect them to? Yeah, exactly. Like, my whole thing was, like, there are so many organizations that support things that you don't support, you know, because you're not a Christian. So you're going to have to give up a lot of things besides just the Target bathroom, if that's your thing. Yeah, besides just what is in the news and hot right now to be outraged about. Like, if you're going to be consistent, if you're going to expect companies to behave in a Christ-like manner with Christ-like morality or whatever then boy oh boy be consistent you know only choose companies who don't fund abortion don't um do fast fashion from you know where you have these basically slave cultures with children in countries that are less well off than our own with less laws than our own making garments for very little money that's not a way to conduct business in a means that um honors and glorifies god or respects the dignity of human life and so if we're going to require all companies to respect the dignity of human life and respect what god has asked us to respect then like be consistent and do that across the board if you feel convicted to that wonderful but be consistent and do it across the board if you are just being outraged because this is what people are outraged about right now then i think it's phony I try to, I'm not, I'm not consistent in everything that I do, but I try to be consistent in things. I try to think things through. I try to make decisions that would honor God, but I do not, I don't expect one-on-one for a non-Christian person to be behaving in a way that honors God. Why would I expect a company that doesn't proclaim Christ to behave in a way that honors God? Or why would I expect pop stars who don't proclaim Christ to honor God, right? I don't understand that. It'd be different if it was a pop star who was proclaiming christ you know there are some of those you know i'm not speaking one way or another about any of them but just i think that it's fair to hold them to a different level of scrutiny maybe what do you think no i agree i 100 percent agree yeah that was my big thing when everyone's like oh i'm not i'm boycotting target and all this stuff i'm just like you are so ignorant you you know just basically what i already said is like if you're gonna boycott this one organization because they're doing something that don't align with your Christian morals, then you have a lot more of stuff you're going to need to give up to because, I mean, I mean, I just, and I just don't, I think just people get so, are so quick to react and they get so heated that they just kind of say things without really thinking them through. And I'm just like, okay, let's calm down. Did you see all the halftime show buzz? No, I didn't. I didn't pay attention to that so much, but I was definitely in on all the Target bathroom rage back in the day, <laughs> which I don't even think ended up happening. I have no idea. And maybe this wouldn't be as noticed, but I mean, how does that make us look as Christians to be like, to say that we're not, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm going to boycott this because I don't believe in what you believe in. I mean, I mean, there are some things, right? Like, I don't go to Planned Parenthood for my, uh, whatever reproductive needs because even if three percent of Planned Parenthood's business model is abortions, it's still a lot of abortions a year and I also don't really buy that statistic. Like there are some things that like I really am unwilling to support with my dollars or my patronage. Right? So Planned Parenthood I believe is directly contributing to killing unborn life. And I think that that is not an acceptable thing for me to support whereas putting in transgender bathrooms or putting out a cup (laughs) that does not represent my particular belief system or 
dancing well with a lot of booty on national television. These aren't things that I feel like are like taking away human dignity or directly attacking other human beings. Does that make sense? I feel like there are things that you absolutely, I think you should vote with your dollars. I think that if something really does bother you, it's okay that it bothers you. And I think it's okay to not support businesses that you don't believe in. But yeah, like you said, like, just are you thinking through why you don't believe in it? Are you thinking through the, what it looks like to consistently live that out, you know? Yeah. Okay, then let's talk about the second topic, which is how we engage in secular culture. I'm just going to be completely honest. I am, like, the worst at this, I feel like. At least as far as, like, music I listen to because I really like old school rap and, like, dirty rap and just rap that's pretty not probably the best. And so I have this, like, back and forth all the time of, like, okay, should I really be listening to a song that says, like, bouncing on my key? Like, that appropriate? Probably not, you know, or booty down. Like, it, I don't know. So I go back and forth all the time. It's like, okay, is it only bad if it's, you know, not causing me to, like, sin? If it's just like, okay, this has a cool beat? What about you? Well, I think that my opinions have changed a lot since I've had kids. Because kids hold you accountable for stuff. Like, I, I believe that I was, I've said it before, like, really discipled by culture as a teenager. And so music was a really gigantic part of that and so I spent a lot of I, I think I spent a lot of my teenage years forming my beliefs about what life was going to be or how life should be through movies and music and I just became really conscious of that when like Christ won my heart over and I got to get these like this new way of viewing the world I became very conscious of the fact that like I had all of these expectations of the world or ideas of what love was or ideas of how my life was going to pan out that weren't from God. They were just like these cultural ideals. And I've just spent the last decade figuring out, like, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, trying to realign my worldview and my expectations to what God has actually given me, not what culture has told me. So, I mean, the question that I learned to ask myself that I still, from a pastor, I don't actually know who, is is I learned to ask myself, does this stir up my affection for Christ? I don't want to just not be sinning. I want to really engage in things that stir up my affection for Christ. And I really want to not engage in things that stir up my affections elsewhere or lead my affections somewhere other than Christ. And so I love old school hip hop. I love um, old underground hip hop. I was a big atmosphere fan. I was a big felt fan. Like I, and she can rap really good to felt. And he's heard it once or twice. After my kids so good. It's it's a treat, you all. <laughs> and I love country music. Like, I super love country music. I was really big into line dancing for a long time. And so I honestly don't listen to that much of that anymore. Not because I think it's sinful, but because it can stir up my affections in the wrong direction. If I'm not careful, it can lead me to feeling like, like if I listen to too much of the country music that I listened to when I was 19, 20, 21, can think about what I dreamed my life would be like then but my life looks very different than I thought it was going to and I thought there were I, I thought I was going to have like geographically a very different location yeah I just and so I am not disappointed with my life but if I listen to too much of what I was listening to back then I can feel my heart pull that way a little bit of like oh I didn't I didn't do these things like I thought I was going to be like right now I thought I was going to be a nurse just barely starting to have kids living in Tennessee. These were all like, these are all like, and this is, I mean, even before I met my husband, but these were like, this, this, that's what I, that's where I really thought my life was headed. And it wasn't, and praise God, it wasn't. My life has turned out way better than I thought it was going to be. And God had way more for me in the desert than he did in the South. And I just really believe that. Praise Jesus. <laughs> so I have to be careful about what I choose to like really engage with or spend time on. I still listen to country music, but I don't, spend a ton of time like I don't spend the majority of my time listening to country music and I still listen to old school hip-hop after my kids go down but like that's not where the bulk of my time or attention goes like it, I do it for fun in the car with my husband or I you know but but it has a huge effect on my emotions and maybe it doesn't for everyone but for me music has a huge effect on my emotions it has a huge effect and so I just try and listen and I don't listen to it I, I mean I know it sounds weird to some people but I don't listen to a ton of music anymore I used to really heavily identify myself by 
the music I listened to as a scene kid. I thought it was super cool. And I didn't listen to stuff that was on the radio because I was way too cool for that. And, and I heavily identified with that world. And so, um, I think when I started identifying with Christ, I overcorrected that some, which is my tendency. So I'm trying to find a balance, but so I don't listen to a ton of music because I don't, I don't identify myself with the kind of music I listen to like I used to. And I also, a, I just podcasts are good for my brain, especially when my kids were smaller and didn't talk. Like I really needed my brain to be engaged by something that was not toddler babble. And, and I also didn't have very many friends in that season. And so like, it felt like I had like, you know, real conversations going on in my head all the time. <laughs> and, and so there's a lot that goes into what, why I don't really listen to a ton of music, especially secular music. Like I do listen, you know, we talked about Chris Renzema, Chris R. We'll just call him Chris R. Cause who knows how to say his last name. If you know, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Chris. <laughs> Annie's single. Yes. It's so single. And I just think you're so cute. <laughs> I can't believe I said that, but it's true. God did a good one with you. Oh my goodness. That's an insane song. So, yeah, like, I'll listen to, I don't listen to a ton of Christian music, honestly, because that's a whole nother thing where sometimes I struggle with some of the lyrics in popular Christian music. But, so, yeah, I just have to watch how much I'm listening to it. I have to watch the direction my heart goes in. I have to, I have to pay attention. Like, are my affections for Christ being stirred in this, or am I being taken with my affections in a different direction? I do appreciate the point you made about, like, having kids and stuff and that kind of, uh, hold you accountable in a different way because your, your kids are holding you accountable and I mean I don't have kids yet so I don't really have that I mean except for the kids that I work with like just the other day I was driving my kid around and I really don't even listen to the radio like I'll usually put like my oxford in or whatever but if I don't have that I'll just listen to it like it's just kind of background music as I drive and you know my kid repeated the lyrics she was like laughing about it because it was so obscure and she, of course, didn't realize what it meant, but I did. And I was like, wait, it said what? Because I wasn't even listening to it, but she was. And she repeated it to me. And I was like, oh, like it was very much like sexual innuendo. And she was like, what does that mean? And I was like, you know what? Like, we just probably should not listen to this song. You know, I'm going to change this. And she was like, just laughed about it. And was like, okay. And okay. So here's my question with movies or TV shows. How do you decide you watch TV shows? Yes. Yes, I do. Same. So we're not no TV people. <laughs> but how do you decide what you're going to watch, what you will not watch, where your boundaries are, mm. what, how do you know when you're going to like, do you have like something in your head that's like, if this happens, I turn the TV off and I'm just not even doing this anymore? So for me, I really I don't enjoy watching anything that's like heavy gore or just, you know, like saw movies. Cause to me, that's something like there are really people out there that are like messed up in the brain. And for me, it's just like, it's not healthy to like watch something that is so realistic, you know, something that is happening or t happening to some extent. So I don't appreciate those kinds of things. I don't appreciate anything with like a super you know heavy like sex scene like I grew up like my parents were super strict you know if I was like one minute late home from you know riding my bike to Albertsons with my friends like we were in the biggest trouble you know for being a freaking minute late but they weren't strict on movies and so you know mm. I was like 12 years old and watching Notebook and you know, I didn't realize that that was pornographic. You know, I just mm. thought like, oh, well, it's in a movie. So it's not, that's not porn. How bad just, could it be? Yeah, this is just a part of the movie. And I think that really, you know, affected me. And I mean, porn is like nothing I've ever struggled with or anything like that. But I'm just saying like, even in the movie, like that is pornographic and that's not healthy and it's not okay. And so I try to stay away from anything that involves that. And then also in the field I've worked in, you know, I've had people that are like, hey, so I used to work as a victim's advocate for a little bit for victims of, like, domestic violence, so, which is super broad, right? Because it's not just emotional or physical, it's, like, sexual and all that stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everyone, like, team leads would encourage us to watch documentaries. I think you sing that song, like, I believe I can cry. 
R. Kelly? Yeah, R. Kelly. The R. Kelly about that was a big one. The Zac Efron playing. Oh, Dahmer? Did he play Dahmer? Or he played some crazy murderer, yeah. Yeah, the crazy murderer who would like rape all his victims and then kill them. Why am I drawing a blank? I'm always drawing blanks. Anyways, <laughs> they would encourage us to, you know, watch stuff like that. Like, hey, this is mm. what our clients are going through. You know, it kind of gives you perspective. And at the time, I totally... Ted Bundy. Yes, Ted Sorry Bundy. Sorry for interrupting. No, I, I wanted to do that. <laughs> at the time, my perspective was like, you know, it makes sense for us to watch stuff like that if it helps us mm. get a better understanding of what they're going through and yada, yada, yada. But now I don't think that's necessarily like the best music. It wasn't like you have to watch this. It's going to give you empathy for them or whatever. It wasn't like that, but it was just kind of encouraged. And I don't necessarily agree with that. It's like we can be there for them and we can walk through it with them, but it doesn't mean that I need to engage in something like that is just like super horrific or I need to watch this to gain a better understanding. Like I'm perfectly capable of talking with them and speaking, you know, from my own standpoint and, you know, sharing my own advice, you know, I don't need to watch something that is harmful and, I mean, not that it's harmful, I think that those things, you know, I know, could, maybe could be good at giving you insight on different stuff, but I, I, I it's not my case to watch them. Yeah, I hear you. That's interesting. Because for me, I definitely... So I loved like romantic dramas and stuff or like period dramas, like, you know, all the Jane Austen stuff, all the Jane Austen is, I think, the only one that I'm still like, yeah, I'm about that life because there's almost nothing. I don't I can't think of any Jane Austen book that has turned into a movie adaptation that there's been like crazy sex scenes in. She's pretty innocent. Yeah, I was going to say, I think yeah no me too so that was an example i'm just saying i grew up loving that kind of movie and i still do but recently dude there has been a straight up turn in like a lot of those like dramas where i feel like they're really playing the culture um like where we have such a maybe like sexually free if that's what you want to call it culture that now like to get that like startle factor they keep having to ramp it up and ramp it up did you watch outlander no. It's, uh, it is very well done. I have, like, I literally got to this point. There is this sex here and there, and it's not, there's like one episode that I had to skip because it was like so much. And then it was just like, it was mostly, it was pretty good. It was mostly story driven. It wasn't anything crazy. And then like, it got to the second season, and there's this like really deep, dark, horrific rape storyline that plays out. That plays out in a lengthy manner. And it was just like, and I feel like that that stuff has been popping up. In all of these movies, and I don't think that there shouldn't be movies portraying rape. Rape is a real thing. It really happens. But, like, this isn't a way that it's, oh, like, I want to honor rape victims by, like, honestly telling their story. It's like, this is a good shock factor. Or this is something that will keep people watching or keep people interesting, which feels very exploitive to me. And that, it just, it got to this point where I was, like, I was texting my cousin, who isn't a believer, but I was texting her. And I was, like, hey, man, do you have any recommendations of, like, because she loves the same kind of movies we grew up watching, the same, we grew up loving movies together. And I was like, hey, do you have any recommendations that, like, of, like, the, of a period drama that isn't crazy rapey or, like, 100% sex all of the time? Because, like, I know, I, before I really, like, learned about Christ or <laughs> started actually following him, like, I really liked the Tudors. But even before I was, uh, I would say, like, a Christ follower, the amount of nudity and sex in the Tudors really was excessive for me. And it's just gotten crazier. And so, yeah, I don't know. For me, I, I also grew up, my mom was a huge true crime junkie. And so I grew up loving shows like that and less so like dramatic reenactments of it. But like, I loved like the true crime shows and all that stuff. And I still, I don't particularly know as much. And I, I can't say that that was a huge like moral choice for me. Some of it is like I have kids and I don't have a ton of time for that stuff. Right. For me, I just don't want things to feel exploitative. I don't want to feel like some, a show is exploiting a victim or a show is exploiting murder for the sake of ra ratings. I know everything is about ratings, but like Cody and I love to watch. Oh, what's that show where everybody's in jail and they go in? It's like a, like a docuseries and they go into different jails. Just gonna type in jail to Netflix and see what comes up. Oh, lock up, locked up, lock, oh, yeah, locked yeah. up or lock up. We love that show, and I like that show because it doesn't glorify crime. 
It doesn't, it doesn't glorify the criminal and it doesn't exploit the victims. It just tells the story. Like it tells, it tells the criminal story from behind bars, shows you what his life is like. And I, I appreciate that because it doesn't feel like it commodifies the crime because I used to just like consume all of it and not care. But when it's, it started to feel like, ugh, like I'm, enjoying like the salacious details of this murder because how can somebody's brain be this crazy and it just started to i know i keep saying exploited but it just really started to feel like instead of sympathizing with the victim or hoping that there's grace and redemption for the criminal i was just like really interested in the details of the crime and like the way the murderer's brain worked or the way you know and i wanted to get away from my brain doing that it's but it is true like we're supposed to be in the world and not of it right and so we i don't think we can I don't think it's right or smart to completely withdraw ourselves from secular culture. But I do think there is this funny thing that happens where sometimes you hear Christians defend watching questionable material, maybe not even questionable, just like downright not things Christians should be participating in and saying, well, I'm just doing it so I can be in touch with the culture. And it's like, meh, I don't think that's it there are things that i do to be in touch with the culture i listen to podcasts that i would not recommend that other people listen to i frequently listen to podcasts that i disagree with wholeheartedly because i think it's important to not put yourself in an echo chamber where you're only hearing one side of one particular one side of a bunch of particular issues but you're to get more well-rounded i listen to secular comedians podcasts and i listen to secular news podcasts and i listen to news podcasts from different perspectives and and so I think there are ways, I don't, I think you do have to know what's going on. You do have to, if you completely remove yourself from the culture, then you are making it, you're creating a gap between you and the ability to share the gospel, right? But I think that you don't have to participate in what God would call evil to have an understanding of culture, you know? Where do you draw the line? It's funny you ask that because I was just this because I am a boy, I love literature, and it's based off of Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. And when I think about all the things I love about it, you know, then I start to think, well, am I just justifying it because I enjoy it? Whereas, you know, I just, oh, I don't like watching things with, you know, extensive, you know, sex scenes, or, you know, especially this is The Handmaid's Tale, it's, you know, rape. But then, I mean, there's so many things that I love about it, you know. I think it's a well-written story. I think they're doing a good job of adapting it. Mm-hmm. The cinematography is incredible. Artistic. Yeah. So artistic. So beautiful. Although I'll be honest, like midway through season two, I was like, all right, if I get one more like zooming in or zooming out on her staring at the camera, I can't, I don't have the really? patience for I it. I was great season one. I loved it. I thought it was so, it was such a wonderful way of being able to connect with the character. It just now feels gratuitous <laughs> yeah no I, I can see how that would be frustrating but i just i think too i i, I don't know like, i think i think the, i think the character i think they have good character arcs i think i've decided i'm not going to watch people get undressed on tv because it just seems like something i don't want to participate in but i will fast forward through it if it's not the whole show so like i think handmaid's tale has so much other stuff going on that okay, if you fast forward through it then and and I'm not saying that's prescription for everyone, but like for me, like that's what's something that's been on my conscience that I don't like. I just don't want to participate in a perversion of what God created sex to be, and I don't want to participate in a perversion of what God created marriage to be. And it's like I stopped watching. I you know what? I started deeply thinking about this maybe four years ago when my second was born. Because when I'm nursing in the middle of the night, I watch Netflix, which is maybe not the best use of my time, but it's just what I do. And I was watching, I was really into Scandal. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. My friend Casey watches that. I was super into it. And it's a really well done show. But the protagonist in that show is the mistress. The antagonist in the show is the wife. And you are rooting for the mistress because the wife is such a bee. And he could never get along with her. I mean, you start to have sympathy for the wife a little bit later on, a couple seasons into the show, and her character starts to develop a little bit. The premise of the show is this wife is keeping the husband from the mistress, basically, and that all the wacky antics that ensue in 
should they be together? Should they not be together? Should and then you know he's the president, which is an interesting point where you know he can't divorce his wife because he'd be the first president. Whatever. Anyways, it and I was watching it and I really enjoyed the show. And then I got I kind of like zoomed out for a second. You know when sometimes when you're watching a show you don't even kind of realize you're just so in, engrossed in the storyline. If it's a good show, you're so engrossed in the storyline that you don't even realize what's going on and then I just I kind of at one point like zoomed out and I had probably been watching it for six months my newborn was now six months old and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm rooting for the mistress in the show like I'm married I would not want my husband to cheat on me because I'm being a bee or I'm having a hard season or our marriage isn't going great I'm like how could I be rooting for this mistress when I believe in marriage and I believe I believe in marriage even when your wife's a bee. I believe in marriage when your husband is being a jerk, you know? You know, and then I just kind of caught my heart like, oh, I've, I've just been passively consuming this instead of, I think that's a big deal. Like, if you're going to watch it, if you're going to watch secular things, then, like, don't just passively consume it. Think about what you're engaging with. Think about how you're engaging with. Think about the theological standpoints. And not, I think, I think there is such a thing as just entertainment. I'm not trying to say that there's not. There's plenty of, I love Gilmore Girls. I'm not, like, thinking about, like, the theological implications of her picking, picking Jess or Logan. Je- Annie's team Jess. I'm team Logan. <laughs> I love me some Jess, and I think they should have ended up together. But you know what? I think towards the end, like, she should have just said yes when Logan proposed. Like, he literally gave, side rant here, uh, like, he literally gave up his hoish lifestyle. He became the guy that she wanted. He was faithful. He was the most interesting character arc in that whole TV show, I thought. Yeah, he was, he was great. And I, I think, you know, towards the end is, you know, we see, Rory grow up and develop more like maybe Logan was more the guy for her you mm-hmm. know and then she's like no what the heck husbands and babies you can't have a they're so just stupid. a hindrance to what you really want in your life yeah so we just turned into reviewing how Gilmore Girls ended up but yeah so anyways I do think that there's such a thing as just entertainment but I just think if you are if you're not careful and you're just con- constantly passively consuming you can be participating in things that god would call not good and you can be well and like my uh, like the same as my point with music like your heart your affections can be served for things other than christ if you're not checking yourself i think that's where i land on that no i totally agree and i think a lot of times without even realizing it you know we become so numb to it that it uh-huh. you know we think it doesn't affect us or Oh, well, I can listen to this music and it doesn't cause me to you know, directly sin or sin right in that moment. Right. But I think what we don't realize is over time, it does. Like, I realize, you know, constantly putting on, you know, secular music in the car, you know, I wasn't going into work in a good mood or, you know, I wasn't in a good mood throughout the day. Whereas, like, I just had just, dis- I started to discipline. I went through a season of just like disciplining myself, like, okay. Life is really hard right now, and I don't like my job, and I'm sad all the time. Would things change, even though I don't think Christian radio is the best? But mm-hmm. would things change if I was putting something more intentional through my ears, listening to something more uplifting? And it, it did. So yeah. I think that just goes to show that it really does, you know, those secular things affect us more than we think that they do. Right, and I think that that's a big lie that, like, the enemy will tell you, right? Is, oh, this doesn't affect you. This doesn't mm-hmm. affect you. You're you're immune to this. And I think that if you're not watching yourself, if you are just passively consuming, then it, it'll it affect you more than you've ever even realized it. You know, I know that you and I have talked about porn before, and this isn't directly related, and we'll do this on a different episode, but that a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't affect how I think about sex. And it's like, okay. You could keep thinking that about yourself. And if it doesn't affect how you think about sex, then why do you need to watch it? You know, like. Mm. Man, let's put a pin in that for another episode. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, that is that the sound of pins me? Yep. Beep. That's exactly how they sound. <laughs> this was good. What do you think about some recos, girl? Yeah, let's do it. So. Okay, so. My reco this week is Sanditon. Have you heard of Sanditon? No, you have not heard what? of Sanditon because heck? no one has, and I'm going to blow y'all's mind. If I don't you're... know. Is it on a book? Is it a movie? Yes. Um, so, um, 
Sanditon is Jane Austen's last novel. It was unfinished. So she like, died while she was writing it. Oh my gosh, kind of like the whole Tickle Mockingbird thing. Yeah, kind of. But it, so they adapt, it, they didn't, no one ever, the book's been released, but it's unfinished. And so they adapted it into a TV show in England. Um, and then like, do you ever watch PBS Masterpiece oh. Class Classic? They bring all like the British shows over here. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, PBS Masterpiece Classic brings over like the BBC TV shows that they put on. Oh, okay. Oh, by the way, brings is. over like across the pond. Uh, what is that? That sounds. Across the pond? That's what British people say about America or, I guess, jokingly, American people say it about England. But anyways, so Sanditon. It is Jane Austen's unfinished last novel that they adapted into a TV show. And A, it's not rapey, which I appreciate. B, there's no scandalous sex scenes, which I appreciate. There's like one moment that's innuendo where you don't really see anything. And it's not the main characters. And it's just, it's really good. The character development is like unparalleled. It's one of those shows where you start watching it and you think you know what you think about the characters. And then at the end of the season, you're like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> like, I have to rewatch that again now with my new opinion of who these characters are because they, the characters just develop so much throughout the season. And yeah, so anyways, I was telling you guys earlier that I would text my cousin being like, I need recommendations for something to watch. I don't watch a lot of TV. Like, mm -hmm. I have almost zero time. But if I, um, you know, like sometimes I'll like probably once or twice a week, I'll take a bath and just watch a TV show on my um, phone. And that's how I unwind. And um, I was, I've been telling my cousin for months, like after the whole Outlander fiasco, I was telling her like, I can't find anything that was made recently. I can rewatch old movies or old TV shows. But I can't find anything that's made recently that isn't like taking you to that like really deep, dark, awful place. I'm like, I just want something kind of like light and enjoyable without, I, because you can get light and enjoyable, but then there's going to be pornographic scenes left and right. Yeah, so this is on Netflix? No, it's on, thank you for asking. <laughs> it's on PBS uh, Masterpiece Classics website. And so they have a thing called Passport. And you just donate like $1 and then you get Passport. And you can watch all the episodes. And it is so, I was just, it, it's light and it's airy, but it's got a wonderful story. It's got really great character development. It's like... Oh. All the things I've been looking for in a TV show for months. So anyways, I told my cousin about this and she started watching it and now we're very, we both watched it more than once. It just came out in like the middle of January. Um, like, it's just super good. And so I would highly recommend it. If you guys are into like the like romantic drama, Jane Austen, -y, like the characters are very Austen, but the storyline, some of it is very Austen and some of it you could tell was not but it's not in a bad way you can just tell that it's maybe not the direction austin would have went with it but not in a bad way at all um and so i'm just gonna i mean if you can't tell from the enthusiasm in my voice i'm gonna highly recommend if you guys are into those kinds of shows or movies go check out sanditon just like you can just google sanditon masterpiece classic and it'll come up uh sanditon s-a-n-d-i-t-o-n uh i love that so much and i'm gonna have to tell my mom because we're big at jane austen Girls. So I you did not like so the much. Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice? Not so much. I just grew up with the BBC version mm -hmm. and, and it follows the book pretty much yeah, to a because it's like a five hour movie. Didn't they like merge a sister and Kira Knightley so she don't she didn't have as many sisters and she didn't had in the book or something? I can't really remember. It's been a minute since I I don't remember it. them doing that, but I think everything was just it wasn't as good because it wasn't five hours, so you know. How could it be? And so I, yeah, I just, and I just have such good memories of watching that. With your it was, mom, it's like a thing. Yeah, with my mom, with my auntie, um, we call her Auntie Jane, we would just go over to her house and put on a pot of tea and watch, you know, the BBC version, and so, yeah, so good. And I just, even being sick, like, I would watch that movie, and just all the good feelings. Um, and Mike Recco, I had to Google it to make sure that I was remembered the author. Just kind of going back to what we had talked about with the culture and, you know, all of that stuff, uh, and you, you know, sort of just touching on the fact, like, you know, everyone wants to be like, oh, this is a Christian nation or whatever. So I just wanted to recommend Myth of a Christian Nation by Greg Boyd. Or um, yeah, so I think it is stellar. 
19th really goes into what we're talking about. And like all books, I'm not going to say, oh, this is life-changing and you're going to agree with every single thing, you know. Mm. But I think overall is life-changing. I think the main thing of just him really digging deep into the fact of like, hey, like, this is a myth, you know. Everyone wants to be like, oh, I'm on Christian principles and we're Christian and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. just kind of, I don't know, killing that. Yeah. So it's been a while since I read it, but you just kind of touching on that is made me want to reread it. And I thought it was a fitting recommendation. It so. is a fitting recommendation. I've never even heard of it. So I'm excited to look into it. Yeah, do it. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I might even go back and like listen to it. Thank you all for listening. Yes. I hope yes. that this one sounds better. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being along with the ride and for listening. Yeah. And shout out to my brother, Corey, for giving us a mixer. <laughs> uh, he, there's zero chance that he listened this deep into this podcast, but either way, I'm still grateful, grateful for him. And you all can tell him that you're grateful for him, too, because it's nice not to have that feedback ringing in your ear. You know. Preach. <laughs> preach, preach. All right. So if you have enjoyed listening to us at all, if you've benefited or feel like your life is better because we're in it, could you do us a favor and <laughs> and share us and like share us on all your social media platforms and send a link to our uh, of our podcast to your friends. We should be. We're not on iTunes still, but we're, we're, we're getting up there on our podcast platforms. We have, um, we're not just on Spotify and Anchor anymore. Um, we're still waiting to be approved by iTunes because apparently that's a process, but we're now on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and you can just go to our Instagram and click the link in our bio. And then if you go onto our Charitable Theology Anchor page, you'll see a button that says listen on Spotify. And just to the right of that, it says more platforms. <laughs> and you just click the more platform buttons and it'll show you all the places that were available. And there will be more popping up there soon. Um, and then if you scroll down on that page, you'll see all of our episodes. And so, yeah, please share us. That's that's how we're going to get out there. That's how the news about us is going to spread is if you just go ahead and share us because nobody else has any way of finding us if you guys don't talk about us. I echo everything Kelly just said. <laughs> All right, guys, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.